Welcome to an Arsenal podcast, the Clock and Tour. I'm your host, Tez. You join Tony, Carl, Schwinn and Savvy as we talk Thank you for listening, thank you for downloading and welcome to the Clock and Talk. Uh, we are an Arsenal podcast and this week we have Tony. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, thank yourself. Uh, yeah, good, mate, good. Uh, now, we sent out the search party because he went missing after Southampton game. Uh, then we didn't see him after West Ham game, but he makes an appearance after a win. How are you, Carl? I'm very good. <laughs> where, you, very but, where you been, mate? I, I, I can't say. I can't say. <laughs> I heard Glenn saying, uh, taking the piss, uh, you've been at w- Willock's place. <laughs> um, He's been investigating. Hmm. <laughs> Schwinn's with us as well. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Good. Uh, Savvy won't be with us this week. Uh, he's off doing whatever he's doing. I think it's his birthday, so happy birthday, Savvy. Okay, um... Let's get straight into it. Uh, Newcastle game. Tony, what was your thoughts on the lineup and uh, uh, the display that we performed, mate? Um, in terms of the lineup, uh, we spoke on the pod the other day. We wasn't sure whether he'd go back to a back four. I mean, go back to a back five or remain with a back four that he used against West Ham. Uh, once he decided to go over back four, I think in a sense the lineup picked itself. Um, there's rumours of Kalasanac having a knock. Uh, he barely warmed up yesterday. Like I sit on the side where the players warm up, and he came out for about a five-minute jog. Uh, and beyond that, he didn't he didn't really do much else. Uh, so maybe he is carrying a bit of injury. Maybe it's just fatigue. Obviously, he's used to having a winter break. Uh, he's not used to playing this much, although he's had no European campaign. Um, so yeah, mate, and Maitland Niles. To be fair, he was probably one of our, or he was one of our better players against West Ham. So you could argue that he deserved deserved to keep his spot. Uh, and then in front of that. Uh, nothing really surprises that personally I would have taken Iwobi out but I mean that's that's a given for me um, but apart from that I don't think there's any real surprises um, Lacazette was always going to come back in um, and I know people are calling for Sanchez to be dropped but in reality it wasn't going to happen so yeah I don't think the lineup was too surprising uh, in terms of performance uh, we just wasn't very good but as I said to you guys earlier, when when you've got a big fixture congestion in uh, in December, and you've got players, especially some players that are used to having the winter break, it's all about getting the three points. Performance doesn't really count for much um, at this time of the year. Um, I mean, you could argue that it doesn't count for much at any time of the year, but you don't want to start a season off terribly and just just winning one nil because at some time it's going to catch up with you. But this time of year, it is really key to just grind in, show your cojones, as Troy Deeney would say. And, uh, and just get the three points. And uh, that's pretty much what we've done. It wasn't vintage. It, it wasn't even good. But the table at the end of the season will show Arsenal gain three points, and that's it. And if you look, Chelsea weren't good and won one nil. Um, like, no one's been playing well. Chelsea weren't good in... Well, actually, they were quite good in midweek. But Liverpool drew in midweek. So just this time of year, it's just about getting points. That's, that's all just on the cards. United were poor last week against Bournemouth and got a one nil win. That's just literally all December is about, is getting three points. Mm-hmm. Um, Bellerin dropping back. You thought he played a better, better than he has been playing in the mids or the wing? No, he's awful. He's awful. Like I literally, I, it's, it's at the point now. I actually don't get what he offers. 
like people come on and say he's quick and i've said this for ages and all my friends used to laugh and now they they kind of agree with me he is quick for no reason i can't remember the last time he used his pace for a, a, a point where you went oh he really needed to be quick there like i was i was say i posed the same question to someone yesterday and they went the recovery tackle against pedro and the 3-0 win against chelsea yeah that was september last year that was the last time his pace had any form of use. He doesn't take anyone on. He doesn't beat them. He's terrible with the ball. His defensive positioning's a joke. Like, I literally, I, I, I don't understand what he's offering at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Maitland-Niles, is it? Can someone explain to me where is his actual position? Uh, he's always been a, a centre midfielder. Um, like so, when he went out on loan, or he's, he's been centre midfielder, or he was shoved out wide because of his because of his size. Um, he's not the biggest. I, and that, I mean, I know he's still young, but he's never going to be big enough to be a centre midfielder, uh, both in height and uh, build. Um, so, I mean, he, he, he's never played at left wing back until or left back until this season. He had played at right back, but in both games, he's been very good. He's been very safe. He's been very solid. He's still. He still gives the ball away a bit stupidly, which we've seen from him quite a lot. But, I mean, he's young. Hopefully that he'll learn. And he's been a lot better in these two Premier League games in, in terms of giving the ball away than he has in the other games he's played. So hopefully it is a, shine, uh, a sign that he's progressing and learning. Do you reckon he's taken up the, the, the back position because, well, he's gonna he's signed on a new contract only a couple of weeks ago at Arsenal. So he's probably thinking in the backs is where I'll actually get a start. Well, I said this, uh, I mean, I remember when everyone was moaning that he was starting at left wing back in the, in the Europa League at the start of the season. And I said then that if he wants to make a place his own, he's going to have to keep playing there. And, and we didn't have a second choice left wing back at the time or left back at the time because Nacho is now seen as a centre back or one of the three centre backs, whatever way you look at it. Mm. So, and I remember at the time getting quite a lot of criticism for it, but it's literally just how football works. It, Wenger's decided that we need someone for that position. He's obviously thought Maitland-Niles has the skills to play there, or the skill set to play there. And now he is, Arsenal, without doubt, Arsenal's second choice, left-back or left-wing-back. Mm. So for all the criticism he got four months ago for, for playing there, or, and Wenger got for playing him there, now when we have had an injury with Kolasinac, he's come in and he's looked more than solid and been impressive in both games. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, who was your man of the match? Ozil by an absolute country mile. No one came close. There's no debate. Anyone that says anyone else watched a different game. Mm. No, I agree totally. Okay, um, we'll come back. We might touch on a couple of other questions on it later. Um, Carl, what was your take on it, mate, with the lineup? Um, I would agree with Tony about Iwobi. Um, I'm not really feeling him as uh, first team quality at the moment. I thought he was uh, it was good dribbling in that match, but uh, no end product. But um, I'd say also about the lineup, I'm happy we've gone back to the back four. I think uh, Maitland Niles did have a good performance in left back, although some uh, he was sometimes a bit hesitant or a bit clumsy in some of his challenges. I'd say um, in the game, but um, I'd say Meza Erzo had a great game. Uh, even Jacker had a all right game. I, uh, I know you'd like me to say that, but um, <laughs> Wilshire Will, Will also had a good game. I think he could, he held his own in holding, holding midfielder. I know he got uh, he got took down by Hayden during the first or second half, and he went down for a few like a minute. And I started uh, what's it started crying, but uh, he was fine. And then um, Alexis Sanchez again. Alexis Sanchez, he's just I know he's playing for himself now. 
He's not going to get dropped, but I want mm. him to be flogged off soon. Um, Lacazette, I think he had a good game. He uh, he made some good runs. He was all, he was good. It was good link up play between him and uh, Jack. Actually, I I liked seeing that and Özil, but Özil can link up with any player. He's he's just that good. But, um, yeah, I th- it it was horrendous performance in the second half. But I think it wasn't us as. A, as like a unit being defensively good, it was just the fact that they had Ayose Perez up front and he can't finish. So that's the reason that we kept it one nil. Um, yeah, it's Ozil's. He he cops a bit of criticism. He he never turns up in big games, and these are the teams that he he, he shines in. But what's your take on Ozil? Uh, I mean. I'm not going to say that I haven't criticised him in the past because I have, especially in big games. People saying, oh, uh, he's he's been last seen at somewhere like Bournemouth. Have you found him yet? He's supposed to turn up against Man City or something like that. But mm. I think sometimes because he doesn't score or deliver like fantastic like 30-yard ball assists in big games, people say that he's done shit. And I don't I don't really agree. I think he's always part of the attack. He's always he's always creating chances, but people like to see the stats on the board rather than stats that are kind of leading up to a goal or whatever like that. I think Ozil's a great player. We definitely need him in our team. I think when he's out of the team, you definitely see us have a certain lack of creativity. I don't think players like Iwobi can fill the hole. Um, Ozil creates and uh, yeah I, th- I think he's an all round great player and we've got to do everything now in uh, between January to July to make him stay at the club because uh, him leaving or even us trying to get a replacement it's not going to it's not going to fill the void that he uh, he leaves yeah agree and and he, he's the future where we want to build a team around Ozil isn't he Lloyd? yeah um, now Wenger's going to have a bit of a problem when Ramsey comes back. Uh, Jack played 90 minutes yesterday, and um, along with with Shaka next to him. What does he do when Ramsey comes back? Yeah, it is, it is a is a bit of a headache for Wenger. Um, in my opinion, I'd start Ramsey regardless because I think he offers something very well, very good for the team. His his work rate is outstanding, and his stamina is great. And, um, He's got good attack positioning. I mean, both him and uh, Wilshire are going to be liable to uh, leave Xhaka in the centre and midfield when they go up for the attack, but that's going to happen anyway. I think uh, Wilshire and Ramsey are kind of similar players, but if it... I mean, I love Jack Wilshire. I love his creativity, but, um, you know, unless Sanchez gets dropped from the team, I'm going to have to say that uh, he comes back out for Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Schwinn, what was your take on it all, mate? Yeah, as Tony said, I mean, you know, three points, busy time of the year. There's really no point, you know, uh, looking into the performance too much because we know it's a, it's a tough time, uh, tough time of the year for the boys. Look, it was it was an average performance against a very below average team. Um, the boys already touched upon a few of the players, and I'm mostly in accordance with them. I will like to, however, mention that we were very lucky yesterday. Uh, apart from the fact that we just scored the one goal, and to be fair to the to the you know to the defense, we we didn't really let them create a whole lot. We were we were we were hunting in packs, uh, you know, in moments, and we were putting the press on, and we we were able to pressurize them to give the ball away or, or take it away from them. But the chances they did create, which were few, uh, they fluffed because of their own mistakes and not because of 
you know, us pressurizing them in that instance or, or, play, or making a major defensive play. I know Czech only had one, one major save or, you know, one or two saves in my program, in my notes I'm looking at, I just have the one save that he made. Uh, but all in all, I think it was, I'm glad it was Newcastle. Like I, I'm, and I think that's that's a given. Any other team, any other better team, rather, would would have been a, a tough proposition. But yes, I mean, I, I was really, really happy about uh, about the midfield yesterday. I know Tony wants to talk about this, so I'm not going to get into this too much. But for anyone who says Wenger doesn't do tactics, watch the West Ham game and then watch this game. You know, I, I understand West Ham might be lower than Newcastle in the table, but they, they're they're playing better since Moyes came in, and they're they're not the same team they were under Billage. So uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to gloss over that, um, but the switch in roles for Ozil and Wilshire yesterday uh, I think changed the game a lot and turned it into our favor, um, as opposed to it didn't happen against West Ham. So I'll, I'll let Tony talk more about that in terms of the tactics, but I thought we had a really good game. We created a few chances. Uh, Again, I don't understand the criticism against Alexis that much. I understand uh, the frustration. I understand the emotion. But it's the same thing every week, I feel. And we just find every now and then a reason to to sort of get on his back. But all in all, good performance. Beautiful goal. Mesut Ozil, you know, switching on his striker's instincts, which we didn't even know he had. And just putting the ball, uh, the ball in the back of the net. Superb goal. One of the best, I think. Uh, the quality of the strike uh, was great but what was even better was his anticipation knowing or maybe guessing that in all likelihood this is where the ball is going to go when Alexis and Lejeune are going up so it's, it's you know it's that forward thinking that vision to know where the next move is going to be and it, it's it's beautiful Mm-hmm. You touched on Sanchez that you don't know where the criticism comes from, and, and we touched on it on our last podcast, I think. It's almost, mm-hmm. look, Arsenal fans have the shits with him, and, and they're going to criticise him. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not questioning where it comes from, because I, I'm one of those people who's banging his head mm-hmm. uh, against any possible solid surface when, you know, when he's, he's giving the ball away. But that was me a season ago as well. I mean, we went into detail into this last episode, so I'm not going to get into it too much. But he, he's going to do that. Mm. I think I'm surprised we haven't warmed up to the fact that he does that, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's a byproduct of who he is, of what he does. And with every person you have, that sort of, you know, that sort of one thing that bothers you about them. So I'm not questioning where the criticism, criticism comes from. I'm just questioning why it's now. And I think we all have the answer based on our last podcast that it's the contract situation that is leading to even more criticism. Yeah, yeah, I agree totally. Uh, man of the match was Ozil for you? Oh, yeah. By a yeah. mile, as Tony said, he was, he was running the game. Uh, from, from the first minute, I mean, Mesut Ozil was dropping deep as we kicked off. You know, yeah. it, it was he was creating. He was he was dictating. You could see him gesticulating towards his teammates, move forward, create space. I mean, he sees the pitch like no one else. So uh, having him in that position, who's able to guide his teammates, especially when you have Michael Niles on one side, who's pretty young, um, and some of the other players who might not be in top form, uh, it's it's great to have a player like that who understands the spacing and who understands how to break down those defenses. Um. Yeah, no, I agree, agree with everything you said there. I've got nothing. <laughs> Carl, I forgot to ask your man of the match as well, mate. What, Ozil, was it? Yes. Yes. Okay. 
Oh, I'm going to disagree, boys. I'll say Shaka. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, look, Ozil was a standout for me as well. He, and, that, and that goal, like, wow, I could watch that goal over and over again. It was it was just a cracking, cracking shot, cracking goal. Like, yeah. Um, Tony Schwinn mentioned about some tactics and that, mate. Do you want to go into a bit of detail on it? Yeah, um, so this comes from a question. I think it's from Texas Gooner. I don't know what his at is, but his, his name is Texas Gooner. Um, and he was saying that it seemed like from the off that uh, Ozil was coming very deep um, and Jack looked like he was in a more advanced role. Um, it's something we do quite a lot when we, especially when Ozil plays in the 10, like he did yesterday with a 4 2 3 1, he plays in the middle of the three behind the striker, so he's, he's playing in the 10 role. Um, He's essentially given a free role. And when, I mean, it's a big reason. Obviously, people say he doesn't work hard and whatnot. But when you look at the miles, he's, he's always, like the miles running, he's always very high. And it's because he moves so much to evade being marking. He's almost impossible to do a man marking job on. Mm. Because I think a lot of managers are sensible to, enough to know that if you stop Ozil, you stop pretty much most of our creativity. I agree, but, yep. The positions he takes up, especially when he's given that free roll, so he's allowed to. Uh, like he spent half of the game standing on the right, and it looked like he was playing on the right wing, and Iwobi was playing as ten because no defensive midfielder is going to go and chug themselves out to the right wing, our right wing, their left wing, and leave the leave the middle of the pitch open. Um, and then he, he drops deep, and he comes and gets the ball off the centre backs. And again, no defensive midfielder is going to come up that high because it takes one pass and move around him, and then he's got a free run at the back four or five, whatever it may be. So. As much as I know Schwinn uh, said about Wenger not doing tactics, about people saying Wenger doesn't do tactics, I think it's something that comes from Ozil, and I think it's very clever. Um, And again, it's where a lot of the miles come from when people say he's not working. He he doesn't get in them positions by accident. When you see him popping up on the right or uh, coming deep to to pick up the ball, it's not not an accident. He He didn't just glide there. Um, and that's where it's, it takes hard work to get in them positions all the time. It's not a one-off. Mm. So he knows what he's doing. I think uh, a problem, there, there is some problems with it as well. Um, when he's playing with Ramsey, it actually leads to Ramsey scoring a lot of goals because Ramsey can do them, uh, can bomb forward knowing that there's someone creative behind him. But um, it also hampers a lot of other players because Ramsey, as good as he is, and I'm a big fan, isn't as creative as as obviously Ozil and a few others, I would say Jack is more creative as well. So the problem with that is Ozil drops deep, pops it into Ramsey, who then his final ball isn't as good. And I think yesterday it worked quite well because Jack is that bit more creative and does drive at players. Um, I'm not starting a Jack versus Ramsey battle. They've both got very different strengths and they're both very Uh, good players. I see exactly where you're coming from. And uh, Carl mentioned he'd like, uh, he thinks Ramsey will probably start over Jack. Me personally, I'd rather Jack start over Ramsey because exactly the point you just made. I don't like how Ramsey runs through them holes and leaves our midfield vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, I think the goal showed where the, the system works perfectly. So Ozil dropped deep, the ball, I can't remember if it was Ozil that got it into Jack, but it got into Jack. He drove at the defenders, putting them on the back foot. And because Ozil came from so deep, he was free. So Iwobi cut the ball back. Sanchez's shot got blocked. And fair play to Sanchez for going up for that header as well, because a lot of players would have just let the defender header it away. Yeah. I know he didn't win it, but the defender under he pressure. But then Ozil was completely unmarked because he came from deep. 
Whereas if he was playing as a 10 and stayed as a 10, they, they would have had someone on him. Mm. So it is very clever, but he doesn't, it's not a case of he played deeper than Jack yesterday. Um, he came, as I said, when he gets a free roll, he comes to get the ball. But in another way, it can be a problem because if they let him go, he comes and gets the ball off the centre-backs. And you can't be creative when, they, when you've got 10 defenders in front of you. Mm. So in a way, I think sometimes he does it too much. But obviously, he can't always, it can't work every time. So it's just it's sort of probing. Um, but it does come with his strengths and his weaknesses. But it's not like he was playing alongside Jacker and Jack was playing at 10. It's very interchangeable, and it's very interchangeable with Awobi as well. And just uh, coming back to yours and Cole's point about what happens when um, when Ramsey's back fit, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Ramsey comes in for Iwobi and the three of them become interchangeable as they was anyway. Iwobi was never on the right yesterday. Ozil will go wide and he'll tuck in, and Ramsey could do that job. Mm. And then, or if Jack goes forward, Ramsey could drop back or Ozil could drop back. I think... And, and look, everyone knows Wenger likes to play fluid football. Um, so I think in an ideal world, he'd have it quite static on the left with Alexis being the guy on the left and, and Lacazette being the guy through the middle and then fluid between them three. Uh, personally, I would prefer that to Iwobi playing um, unless, he's gonna, unless he's got someone in mind that's going to come in and play on the right of a 4-2-3-1. It is our biggest issue that when we go back to 4-2-3-1, we literally have no one that is a right-sided player. We've got a few players that can do a job there. Uh, arguably the only one in the squad that is actually a right winger is Theo Walcott and he's not getting a look in at the moment so mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the three of them play together Jack Ozil and, uh, and uh, Ramsey and just uh, whatever the, I mean they're going to at the start of the game they'd probably go Jack deep with Xhaka and, and, and Ramsey on the right and Ozil on the left but it'd be so fluid and as I said he's been doing that already like if you look at yesterday there was, wasn't many times Iwobi, Iwobi was actually on the right no, I agree. And just on a Wobi, though, and I know you're not the greatest of fans of a Wobi, I don't want to be fucking negative on a Wobi, but what is it with the guy? He, he makes some beautiful runs with a ball and then just doesn't finish it. He, he, for me, a Wobi plays rugby. When he's got the ball, he travels forward and does very well. But then he turns around and passes backwards or sideways. And his pass completion rate, I've not looked at it, but it's going to be very high for an attacking player because he always plays the safe ball. It's, it's, it's where, like at the moment, everyone's moaning at Alexis for playing the, the harder ball or the riskier ball. But it gives you some chance of scoring where, as Iwobi, as I said, he drives at the defenders and then gives it safe and you know the ball's going to come backwards. Yeah. And you could argue, yeah, he's giving it to a more creative player, but it always gives the defence time to get back. It's never challenging them. They don't think, oh, shit, Iwobi's going to do something here. Whereas Alexis, as awful as he's been... Believe me, defenders are worried when he's got the ball. Yeah, like Wobi, like I said, he made some amazing runs, and then his finish was just—it was fucking woeful. And you're right, ninety-one percent pass success. Uh, you're spot on. Yeah, uh, I mean, you don't need to look at stats to know that. That's just you can, as I said, watching football with your eyes. It's, it's what he does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, okay. Now, we're going to touch on Lacazette with you, Carl, um, because he's, he's, he's touch, got a bit of criticism over, you know, he, he misses, the, misses the, the shots and whatnot, and he's, he's not as reliable as the money that we spend, I suppose, is the criticism he's been getting. What's your take on Lacazette, Carl? Yeah, yesterday, uh, a, few of his, a few of his shots he was taking were a bit poor, I'd say. Um, I'd say definitely we should focus on the uh, 
the one where he tried to chip the goalkeeper, and uh, oh, it was only a one nil, and it could, no. he could have just blasted it across goal, and that would have been two. But he, he went for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you, you trust in your fifty-two million record uh, signing to score the goal, and he didn't. So, obviously, a uh, few of us were up in arms about that. But um, I think, I think it was the right choice to sub him off in the uh, what was it? Maybe the seventy seventy-third minute, or something like that yeah. for Drew. I yeah. think, I think. I've I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think Giroud is a superb super sub, and especially in those games where it's kind of neck and neck, even though we're we're leading, you need that sort of player to come on. And obviously, because Giroud didn't score yesterday, that gives more fuel to the fire for people to say, "Oh, look, Lacazette should have been on for ninety minutes. Alexis should have come off." Well, he came off anyway. So I don't know. It's um, I I think it was the right decision by Wenger yesterday. I don't I don't know why people were criticising. To be honest, because. Uh, Apart from the runs, I didn't think he had that good of a game. Uh, great. I, I, look, that, that shot I, I thought myself, and I, I don't want to compare him to a Morata and that, but look, they're on the same level, I suppose. But a Morata would have scored you that goal. Um, it, mm. Lacazette just had this crazy shot, and why, I don't know. I, fuck me dead, mate. You're a striker. Put it in the back of the net. Not trying I mean, to some people... Some people are suggesting are uh, oh, the reason he's missing these shots because he's low on confidence because he gets subbed off in the 70th minute. It's like, no, it's not because of that. It's just because you've tried to go for the audacious and you've missed it. I, I'm going to, yeah, I know, and I'm going to digress into um, a couple of these other stats that we're talking about, um, and I'll go around, around the table, but we'll, we'll start with Carl. Nine clean sheets, so people are saying... Well, we've had nine clean sh- nine games where we've been clean sheets, um, but people are saying we've got problems with our defenders. However, we've had the most shots with 326 ahead of City of 370, uh, 307, sorry, uh, possession of 70 to 75 percent. Now we've had 10 shots hit the woodwork. Um, mm. That's amazing stats when you look at it. Yeah. Like, you know, so my first um, question, I suppose, is: is do we have a problem with defenders? Nine clean shoots. Uh, I think we do when Mustafi's out of the team because uh, we have this sort of a uh, we have we have a good regiment and structure when we have the three at the back of Koscielny, Mustafi, and Monreal. They're not the best three defenders in the league, but they manage to get the work do- uh, get the job done. And whenever you take out one of the three, namely Mustafi, you start getting problems. And I know we got a clean sheet yesterday, but. When when we're considering when we're considering clean sheets this season, you're talking like uh, Newcastle, you're talking West Ham, and they got players as good as Arnautovic. Maybe he can't, he hasn't scored against us, so it's kind of like you, we're we're only conceding against high caliber teams because they've got high caliber strikers. So I don't, I don't know. It's um, I think we do have a problem with our defenders. I think we do need to invest in January or whenever Wenger wants to uh, get out his get out his wallet, but um. Yeah, it's, it's not the worst defence of the league, but there is definitely problems. And the uh, the clean sheet stat, I don't think it does justice. And uh, so it doesn't doesn't do check any favours either. No, I don't. I don't think check check's been on it for a few games this season, but then he's also been off it. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think those uh, those clean sheet records are down to us. I think they're down to the opposition. I think it's the, like like with our with our shots. I mean, 
if you'd like to tell me how many of those shots were on target, because I know the last few games we've had like 23 shots and only five of them have been on target. And it's, mm. it's I don't want to call it stat padding, but, you know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, okay, Schwinn, what's your thoughts on it all, mate? Like, you know, no one clean sheets. We got a problem with our defenders? We, we have a problem with our, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a problem with our defensive unit. Now, uh, when I say that, I mean, I mean just not the defense, but our goalkeeper and our midfield. Uh, I've always said that in, when we played three defenders at the back, our midfield is way too empty. Despite having someone like Ramsey in there who, can, who has the legs to, to put in a decent shift in the 90 minutes, he, he's a more attacking player in terms of his instincts. So his legs do him more when he's making those late runs into the box, trying to attack the ball. But he might not have that same sort of movement and that same sort of perpetual movement uh, in defense. Mm. Um, and he's usually having to trace back his, you know, his late run and when we get ca- uh, caught on the counter. So as a unit, we have a defensive problem. Uh, I think Carl made a good point that this, uh, these stats have to be inspected in a more closed manner to, to get the full picture uh, they're trying to paint. But, uh, I mean, it's good to have had those nine clean sheets, but going into Arsenal games, I'm never convinced, despite the opposition, despite us playing Newcastle yesterday, I was not convinced whether we're going to have a clean sheet because we are uh, rocky in in defense. It's never too convincing, you know, as I said earlier, that they did not score yesterday because of our luck. Other than that one save that Czech had to make, uh, either they were skying all their shots or they were just poor attempts. Mm-hmm. So if you have an, an attack that we're facing with a little more conviction and a little more confidence and perhaps with a more uh, controlled plan where players know what's going to happen next, uh, we will be a little more shaky and we'll probably concede a goal or two. I, I was very scared yesterday. I'm not going to lie that we, we were going to concede. It was, it was just turning out to be you know, one of those games when we've scored early and we haven't been able to convert our other chances. And you just felt as if it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen at some point. Uh, thankfully, it didn't, and we got the three points. But I'm never convinced by our defense. Um, we talk about the most shots on target of 326. Do we know if that was well, – what, what stats on that? Well, I, actually, that's just the most shots. I don't think that's most shots on target. Okay. Right. So then you got to further look into most shots on target within that. And as Tony made a point uh, last time out, that you then have to see what s- sort of a shot it was. You know, it's it's not one of those shots that just rolls to the goalkeeper or, you know, is uh, gets a little bit of a ricochet here and then, and then rolls to the goalkeeper. And th- there's a variety of facets in that as well. So it's it's not been it's not been one of those i mean it's not been one of those stretches where we we really attacked the goal i mean ever since the united game i feel our conviction has gone down if anything you know we haven't been getting behind defenses albeit that these defenses are playing um you know very deep uh defensive lines especially their back four or back five but it's still been uh, lethargic and a little bit of uh, monotony, I would say. There's not a lot of creativity. Having said that, I, I know we just criticized Hector a little bit, but actually yesterday was the first time that he played a quick one-two here and there and was able to use his pace to get behind defenders, and that was causing problems. And of mm-hmm. course it will. I, I don't understand why we, we don't do that more. Uh, but I think ever since Maitland-Niles had sort of started coming in his own, and ever since we've seen Debushi uh, become a little more of an option, perhaps, 
I think Wenger has given Hector Bellerin a uh, more license to to use his pace to go full tilt, uh, because. I personally believe that despite Hector's dip in form and really bad performances, I, I think he's been told to sort of take it easy because we don't have an out-and-out right-back or right-wing-back who could t- take up his place. But I think slowly Wenger is warming up to the idea of possibly playing Maitland-Niles or Debussy in there, and he's letting Hector Bellerin sort of use his pace and you know run behind defenders, which I think in the long run will, will definitely be helpful. Mm-hmm. Okay. You got any add on all that, Tony? Uh, just again to bring up my favourite saying watch football with your eyes is our defence good enough? No so we may have the second most clean sheets but if they're like yesterday where we was on the edge of our seats thinking it's coming, it's coming, it's coming they're going to score because we were literally all over the place then that doesn't that's not a good defence if you have nine of them you're you're never going to be comfortable and again you also have to look at who our clean sheets came against and in what situation so Bournemouth at home, Brighton at home, just off the top of my head. Chelsea, uh, Tottenham at home and Chelsea away are the only sort of notable ones. Um, but beyond that, we've—I mean, I don't like the word, the term "flat track bullies," but it's not far wrong. Mm-hmm. The one, the, the one I think is a worry is the ten off the woodwork. Yeah, I mean, look, if you hit the if you hit the woodwork, it's down it's down to luck for me. Um, in that you look. In anything you do, whether you're firing a gun, whether you're throwing something, whether you're kicking something, you're never going to be 100% accurate. Otherwise, football would be boring and every ball would fly in the top corner. Uh, when you're, if you hit the woodwork, it, you're half an inch to, to two inches off, which is not bad going, really. And it'd also be interesting. I don't know. I wasn't aware of that stat until Schwinn just bring it up. But mm. it'd be interesting to see how many have sort of saved onto the woodwork and, and the situations that they came off. I, I was trying to think as, as Schwinn said it, but. Um, off the top of my head, I can't really think of too many. I think Ramsey away at Chelsea uh, probably could have done better. Uh, and I'm really struggling to think of other times when we could... Iwobi at West Ham, but it wasn't going in. It wasn't threatening. Um, yeah, I'm really struggling to think of them. So, again, this stats are brilliant, but watching football tells you a whole lot more. So, yeah. you say, oh, 10 times we've hit the woodwork, unlucky. But if you watch them 10, them ten times then they could have been the outside of the post, the top of the crossbar, no real threat. So it, it completely changes the context of the same stat, which is still correct, but it completely changes it by actually watching the game and seeing what happened. Yeah, yeah, I agree totally. Okay, um, right, uh, we'll move on to... Um, oh, just I was checking out uh, our listeners from around the world, Schwinn, and you'd be happy to know that uh, Ohio State, mate, uh, for some reason they've... They're smashing it, mate. They've all downloaded the podcast. Oh, so. oh, Something's going over there. I think the Buckle oh, fans, they, they like what they heard last week, mate. Well, <laughs> you say that, and they're, they're gooners, so much love to those, to those guys. <laughs> if they were not, though, then we'd be having a different conversation right now. <laughs> so I, I think that's enough. Enough said. I'll just say one more thing, that go Hoosiers. Sorry, Buckeyes, but go Hoosiers. Let's move ahead, Taz. Oh, no. um, <laughs> Carl, you want to? I'm sorry. Put... Actually, I actually want to bring something up. Uh, yeah. When you were talking to Tony, uh, I had a I had a thought. So I think uh, Wenger is going to have a little bit of a dilemma uh, when you know Ramsey's back. But I'm more curious to see uh, because I personally think Jack fits better into this system when you're playing with four defenders and when you know we have these sort of tactics going on. Yeah. But I actually think Wenger will have a bigger problem when Mustafi is back because. 
guessing by our defensive record, I'm thinking we'll switch to a back three. So if we do that, then then does Jack lose out on his position, and does does Ramsey come in for him into that three four three system? What, what do you what do you guys think? Um, isn't Kashani carrying a bit of an injury? I'm not sure. I mean, he looked he looked a little shaky yesterday. He actually started the game pretty well. I remember writing down at some point pretty early into the game that he had a bright start, but there were moments where he gave the ball away um, and uh, was a little shaky. But of course, I mean, we know he's carrying a, a, a knock in his Achilles. So we could see a little bit of rotation just to rest Koscielny, but I'm guessing long-term we'll switch back to a back three just because of our defensive record. You had any add on that, Tony? Yeah, I'd imagine we're going to go back to the back three as well. Um, so I'm fully in agreement. In terms of um, where what happens is I think at the moment, you're right, Jack gets dropped for Ramsey because you need the legs in there and if you're going to play a back five. Uh, but... Uh, if the Alexis saga continues and if he does go or if he does carry on performing the way he is, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Jack comes in there and Wenger tries to get the fluidity that you get from a 4-2-3-1, but in that system. So Jack can drop in deep and Ramsey can push on or Ozil can drop deep and and Jack and Ramsey are the two behind the striker and and all three of them can interchange. As I said, Wenger loves interchange and I wouldn't be surprised if he tries that. Um, but obviously it all depends on the Sanchez situation. But if we just, as things are at the moment, go back to a five, then I, I think Jack drops out. Mm, okay. Um, just light on the line, what, get a rough percentage on what you think. Do you think Sanchez is going to go in January or not? Nope. No. Carl? Nope, he's going to go in July. Schwinn? I, I want to agree with the boys, but... I'm starting. I'm, I'm starting to warm up to the idea that he's going to be gone because, <clears throat> despite our, our, our uh, you know, presence in the Europa League and our opposition, which is not top quality, we can of course run into opposition which is better further into the tournament. But I think Arsene Wenger has sort of resigned to the fact that Alexis Sanchez is going to be gone, and despite him not operating on the principle of financial responsibility uh, initially at the beginning of the season, I think he's sort of going to revert back to that that ideology of getting that money uh, and cutting his losses. So I, I could see a case for, uh, for, for him being gone, and maybe we'll try and get someone in instead so that they have a little bit of a warm-up period in the second half of the season so that they're ready to go for the next season. Um, I think Tony mentioned last during the last podcast that it's going to be a, a short summer anyway. And these boys are going to be off to the World Cup, so not a lot of players are going to have that that incubation period with their with their new teams. So I, so I, I I'm starting to warm up to the idea, and I think it's 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 a possibility, but I still think it's a it's low probability. Yeah, I, I tend to agree a little bit with you, Schwinn. I, I you know I think that he he may end up going in January. If he doesn't, I think. Um, they may bring somebody in to put a bit of pressure on him and, uh, well, they're mad if they don't bring somebody in because they know he's going to go either in July or whatnot. Um, okay, Carl, you wanted to touch on Shaka. Yeah, um, so I thought this this is a discussion we had earlier in the week when I was talking when uh, we are in the three of the back formation and I was... Uh, I pose the question to you: What what role does Wenger see Jacker having for Arsenal? And uh, I I th- I kind of said that 
you know, a def- defensive midfielder, but Jacker can't play that role. So I kind of the ultimately the question I was asking was why did we buy Jacker? Mm. I'm not meaning that in a way that Jacker's not a good player because he is, but he's a, he's a good player when he's used correctly, and I don't think we're using him correctly in the three of the back system. I thought yesterday in the Newcastle game he was a bit better. I mean, obviously, he had in the what's it, the late the, uh, late second half, he gave away them sloppy balls. I think two of them. I think uh, no, I sighed and I was like, "Why are you doing this?" And then like, but regardless, I think he he does much better in that four of the back system. But um, yeah, that that was just the question because I know he's he's by trade, he's like a deep line playmaker, I'd say, and we kind of need a defensive midfielder in that three at the back formation because I don't think any. Any player in that centre of that midfield, Jacka, be it Jacka or Ramsey, can't really they can't really tackle that well. So I, I was just kind of posing the question to you: What role do you think Wenger thinks Jacka Jacka has in the team? Can mm. I take this one? Yeah, go ahead. Yep. Uh, so I actually, and I mentioned this after Southampton. I think he's been a bit hard done by recently because I think defensively for the last three games, Southampton yesterday and uh, West Ham, he's been excellent. As a, if you see him as a pure defensive midfielder, what's let him down is he's been quite poor on the ball, which is the complaint we had before was that he was very good on the ball, but very poor defensively. But like yesterday, he was dropping in behind the ball. Whenever someone went up, he was the one covering. Uh, he was, he was in the back four so much. It was unbelievable. Um, he's tackling. I mean, he, he, the, the, even the booking he took was a very good booking. I know it was his own fault. He gave the ball away. But he done what any good defensive midfielder would do and take the book in and give them a free kick 45 yards out rather than let them drive at our defence. Um, I mentioned it after Southampton. He made some very good tackles. Um, like Again, dropping deep and breaking up play. And he was the same against West Ham and I fought the same yesterday. But it's not good enough to only be able to do one of the two. Uh, we brought him in. So the role we brought him in for is Wenger thought that he was someone that could do both and he could do two jobs. And he can do both, just seemingly not at the same time. Uh, whether he'll learn, uh, you would assume so, because he's got the qualities to do both. He's never going to be quick across the ground because he's not quick. Um, but Gilberto wasn't quick. Uh, Makaleli definitely wasn't quick. Um, it's reading of the game. But as I said, I think defensively he's been very good the last three games, but people were so on his back that they don't want to see that. And then because his distribution has been poor, it gives people a reason to have a go at him. Um, whereas, as I said, if, he, if you give him, say, yesterday's game and cut out the two or three very stupid passes. Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming it was Tez, but someone tweeted at half-time saying he was very good in the first half, and he was. He was excellent. Yeah, um, it was my um, So it's just getting him... As I said, he was brought as someone that could do both be the defensive midfielder and the deep-line playmaker. They're giving him two roles. And um, as I said, he can. It's just getting them both done at the same time, which we haven't seen yet, barring the odd game. Uh, the FA Cup final, he was excellent. Community Shield, he was outrageously good at doing both. Um, but that needs to be nine out of ten games he's doing that, not two out of ten games. And then in three of the games, he's excellent passing, but shite defensively. And then in other, do you know what I mean? You can't have, he needs consistency in both aspects um, to kick on. And I think he's capable, but I mean, he has the abilities, but is he capable? I mean, that only time will tell. Mm, okay. Uh, I, I agree with everything you said there. I've got nothing really to say, to add on to that. I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I look I, a couple of you know he, he put a couple of balls through the through the holes yesterday and um, defence, and he had a really good first half. Um, 
second half was a little bit. It's <laughs> it's it's a side of two coins, isn't it? He 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 has a blinder, and then all of a sudden he goes to shit. So um, he's young, I guess. He, he'll learn. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to think what people are trying to compare him with, though. Um, I, I think you know he come with a hef, hefty price tag, so yeah, that's that's probably. I, I, I do want. I, 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 I do want to add something to what Tony said, just to echo his point. I know. I mean, I know we just switched to a back four over the last two games, but. One of the reasons I thought Koscielny was a little shaky yesterday was because of uh, of a switch to a different system. You know, I mean, <clears throat> in the recent past couple of weeks, we've been switching that formation, and these guys are professionals, and they're very intelligent footballers, there's no doubt. But sometimes, you know, you have muscle memory, and you expect a player to, to your teammate to be in a certain position, but he may not be there because, you know, we've switched a system or because of bad positioning or what have you. So... To see Shaka yesterday and against West Ham and put in the shift as he did is is very impressive to me. Even though there might be some you know gaping holes in his game, but to see that he's adaptable, you know, because he plays very different roles when he's when we're playing a three defender system against when we're playing a four defender system. He's got more du- defensive duties when we're playing you know four at the back. So to see that discipline from him because he is adventurous. You know, there are times when he's very deep into the opposition's half. So to see that he is able to move his game around based on you know what the manager expects of him, maybe not to 100 percent, but then then again, who are able to give consistently you know those 100 percent performances? But I think he has a lot of potential. I think he he thinks a lot. He might be slow to react. He might be a little you know clumsy at times. Uh, most defensive midfielders are. I mean, I don't remember a lot of games where defensive midfielders, you know, consistently are able to complete 90 minutes without getting booked, for example. Uh, they take one for the team almost on a consistent basis. So, as you said, Tez, he's young. There's time for him. This is just his second season. I think he can be a very, very solid player for us. And especially in the role that he plays, uh, he could he could, he could be a, a Gilberto Silva for us in, in the long run who can provide that defensive cover for our back four or back five. Mm-hmm. Um, I tweeted out earlier in the week and because I asked the question, and it, and it happens every transfer window, who's that guy from um, Sporting? Uh, Arvalio? Yeah, every every window we seem to be linked linked to him. Um, but I don't see what he'd offer. I, I, I don't know much about him, but I don't know what he'd offer the team. And again, can I butt in here? Yeah, mate. Um, so his agent is Pep Guardiola's brother. If he was good enough, over the last five, six years that we've been linked with him, what clubs do you think he would have played for? One of Man City, Barcelona and Bayern Munich? I think so. Mm. He's never. He's always linked with us, and it's just his agent's work. Because, look, no one's ever looked at him. If he was act- like, people moan, oh, Wenger, why have you never going to got him? No one's going to got him, and there's a reason for it. He's not that good. Mm. He's, he's just big, and I think people just want us to have a big centre midfielder. That's all he's got. I'd, I'd love, also love to know that all these people saying, oh, another one we're going to miss out on. We've not missed out on him because no one's gone for him. West Ham are the only team that have ever seriously tried to sign him. And then Sporting Lisbon started messing about. But how many people that are saying, oh, we're going to miss out of him, have seen him play more than 10 times? And I guess the answer is not many. There will be some Portuguese uh, listeners or followers who, uh, obviously, it's their, it's their native league. So they have seen him a bit more. I've seen him but more, also, yeah. 
you can't compare the quality of the of the Portuguese league. And it's no, it's no. If he was that good, because he's getting, he's not young like that. I mean, he's like 25, 26 at least now. So if he was that good, he would have got a move to Spain, Italy, Germany, England, debatably even France. It, well, not even debatably, the French league is better than the Portuguese. Mm. So there's five leagues there that not one team in them leagues has tried to sign him, despite him apparently being of Arsenal standard for the last five, six years. He seems to have been linked. Yeah. There's a reason for it. He's not that good. He's not that good. And that's what I, I toyed it out and I asked the question because I haven't seen much of him. So I asked, I think I asked the question, what, is he that good? So, And why hasn't somebody picked him up already? There you go. He's obviously not that good. Okay, um, so I better give our sponsors a bit of a wrap because I keep bloody forgetting about it. Uh, so you can, uh, look, go to at football culture. Um, you can actually get 10% off shirts there. The shirts are legit. Tony and I got one, and uh, happy happy with it, Tony? Uh, yeah, yeah, fine. As I said, it, says, it, says, it is a shirt. I mean, it's what it is. Yep. Same as you buy from the club shop. Obviously, you, any listeners will know I'm at the ground every week, which has a, a club shop. And the shirt I've got from Football Culture is the same as I'd go and buy from the Arsenal store. Yeah, no, I was happy with mine. It uh, come from football culture, and it was a Shaco shirt. I did post a picture, and look, it was seemed all legit for me. So you can grab them at uh, foot, football-culture.com. You can use a 10% discount code, football culture sale, and you'll get a 10% discount. I believe it's probably good for um, America, Australia. Um, I don't know if the prices dropped down that much in the UK, Tony? Uh, no, so the price is, I mean, there's, there's very little. There's probably about £2 in it um, between the difference in the UK price and the and the football culture price. Football culture a little bit cheaper, but obviously uh, as good as football culture are, it makes it a bit difficult. Obviously in England you could just go and you pay £2 more, but you can go and pick it up with your own hands and, yeah. and whatnot. Uh, whereas from what you guys have told me about the American and Australian prices, the, the price difference is, is quite substantial. Um, so it seems like a very good bet for, for the followers in Australia, America, and probably some other countries. Yep. Okay. So go and check them out at Football Culture. Um, you can follow them on Twitter at Football Culture, spelt C-U-L-T-R-E. Okay, guys, we've got a couple of um, games coming up. So West Ham... On Tuesday, Tony, in the AFL Cup. Uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be the, the Europa League slash Carabao Cup team that we've played in played in every game. But um, the interesting one for me will be Jack, because he's obviously played a very pivotal role in, uh, in the Europa League and Carabao Cup teams. But now he's played two 90 minutes in, in four days, and he played, I don't know what it was, about 20 against Southampton. So does he drop back down to that team, especially if Ramsey's not going to be back for Liverpool, then Jack will start. So you'd imagine Jack drops out. Um, and then, but West Ham, I think Wenger would like to go as far as he can in this competition without straining the squad too much. So hmm. he doesn't want to bring in a complete kid for, for Jack. So does that mean that then El Nenny and Coughlin play in the middle? Probably. Uh, yeah. Another interesting one is Giroud. He's been getting more and more minutes. He had his first start against West Ham. Um, he, uh, he obviously came on yesterday. He came on against Southampton. He's been getting more minutes. So, again, th- does he play? Um, I, w- I would say probably because Lacazette will start against Liverpool. Uh, so, I'd say it'll probably be... I'm not sure if Walcott will be back fit. Um, I hope he is because it could be his last chance to play at the Emirates um, because we've got 
we've got obviously Liverpool, who he's not going to play against. And then we've got two away games before the new year. And if the rumours of him looking at a January exit are true, it could be his last game. And look, people can think what they want about him on ability, but he's been a very good servant to the club. Mm. I know he's held us to ransom for money and whatnot in the past, but he's still been our longest serving player in, in a long, long time. So um, I hope he does get a... Uh, if it is to be his last game, I hope he's fit enough to play. And it would leave us with a strong front three of Walcott, Welbeck and, um, and Ollie. Uh because and I said that is a second string. None of them are. You're not risking first team minutes with them if them free play, and uh, and it should be enough to do a job against West Ham hopefully. And I'm hoping that Moyes will. Moyes is known for throwing competitions like this because their main survival. He's bringing. He got bring in a nine month contract to keep them in the Premier League. Make no doubt about it. That was his only aim. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he chucks out a weekend team because he doesn't. They've got a game two three days later. And the league is their priority. And as I think, I can't remember, but I remember looking at their fixtures after us and they had Stoke, obviously, who they beat yesterday. And they had two others that you'd see as teams around them or winnable games. And if they win one, both, one or three of them, obviously, starting with yesterday, they'd be sort of mid-table-ish from the relegation zone. So I think Moyes might put more importance on their game midweek. And I wouldn't be surprised if he plays a, a heavily weakened or a second string team. Yeah, well, after us, and they've got, yeah, you did, right? Newcastle, Bournemouth, West Brom, and then they play the Spurs on the 5th of January. So he might go a weaker team because he, he, he sees them as potential nine points out of the four games. So that might yeah, put them up a bit. Um, Carl, what's your take on it, mate? Yeah, um, obviously it's going to be a weaker team than the first team, and uh, I, I don't see Jack playing in that. In that Tuesday game, and I'm gonna wince because I'm gonna see uh, El Nini and Coquelin in the middle of that middle of uh, the field, and that's gonna be terrible because where's the creativity? But um, <laughs> yeah, when you've got the uh, you've got the yeah, hey, hang on. we cop we yeah. cop the bit of fucking slack last time with El Nini because we're we're too biased. El Nini's a good player, so don't don't fucking take the piss too much out on him. We've got to deal with these clowns fucking getting into us again. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll excuse all the sideways passing and uh, keep on running about the pitch then, all right. Um, but um, I'd say about the uh, front three, I agree with Tony. I'd, I'd love to see Welbeck, uh, Olivier Giroud and uh, Walcott up front because uh, I think Wel- Welbeck gets a bit of, uh, bit of stick because he kind of has two left feet in front of goal. He can't really finish, but he kind of, he, he kind of expands the he expands the play. He kind of... He, uh, he opens up holes in the defence by you know making them work and uh, you know running run the channels, making you know making it easier for players such as Giroud to kind of come in and then you know maybe cross it in and he can nod it nod it in. And I know uh, Welbeck can finish when he wants to. It's just uh, I don't know his uh, his quality in front of goal in terms of like I don't know if you call it his, his composure, but there is something definitely wrong there about his shooting. But everything else in terms of attack positioning and things like that, I think are, are great. But um, I think Debussy start right back. It's gonna be uh, t- it's gonna be a toss up between Kalasinac and uh, Niles for for Tuesday because either Wenger uh, Wenger thinks of uh, Niles' latest form uh, for Liverpool or he thinks of well Kalasinac is a you know he's approved um, he's a proven first team player in big games so he might go with him. If that's the case, then Niles is gonna start again on Tuesday. 
uh, despite maybe having a little less stamina because of him just playing yesterday. But um, I think centre-backs will be uh, Koscielny and Monreal, maybe, again. I'm not sure, but I, I think that'll be the same thing again. Not on Tuesday. It'll be on holding Tuesday. Chambers another. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was, I was thinking that. Um, yeah, yeah, that'll, yeah. It'll be, it'll, it'll be holding, yeah. Yeah, holding and, uh, Chambers will get a start. Um mm. Yeah, Niles probably wouldn't get a start, would he? he? He's obviously looking at second string, like you said. He's you know a couple of debuts in Premier League, so he's probably going. Yeah, but who who, who do you, who do you play instead? Do you want Klaus and actually get some minutes to get back to fitness, or do you do you want to save him until Liverpool, where he where he's probably going to be fully fit? I don't know. Mm. Who are you going to play there? It's a tough question, isn't it? Maitland Niles will play. Against West Ham. Okay. Right I'll stand corrected. Okay. Right <laughs> Um, Schwinn. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be Niles as well uh, at left back, uh, hoping that Klasenaches is going to be back with the Liverpool game. Uh, if he won't be, then then I'm sp- then I'm <clears throat> looking forward to see what Wenger does because then I'm guessing he would like to keep Niles fresh for the Liverpool game. Uh, but he's a young boy. He's just started playing uh, back-to-back games. So maybe he does have the legs to play uh, both games. But I think that would be quite a, quite a bold move from Wenger's side. As for a point that Tony made that uh, what, what Wenger does with Wilshire is going to be interesting because I think we know Ramsey is not going to be available. So it would be an automatic to, to rest Jack. Uh, in that case, I hope Nelson gets to play in the hole and be the, the, creat- the creative spark because... Whatever little we've seen, Reese Nelson has been at wing back or maybe a little more advanced on the wings, and which uh, which which he's been good at, but I don't think that's his natural position. And he's much more creative. We we had a few instances, you know, where he tried to beat the defense from running at them from uh, from the center, and he had one shot I remember, which he he fluffed, uh, but he had a really good uh, string of events that followed uh, that led to that chance. But I will. I would love to see Reese Nelson in, in that sort of a role. I don't know if he he has it in him um, because I've not watched nearly enough of him. But uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what that looks like. But otherwise, I think as the boys said, the teams are going to be mostly second string, and uh, I, I expect West Ham to have a, have a rotated squad as well because uh, they, I'm sure, are concentrating on the Premier League. So I expect us to move forward, actually, in this in this tournament. We have a lot of depth to be able to cope up with a weakened West Ham team. And uh, I, I agree. I think we're going to want to go deep into this tournament because there's really not a lot of other distraction. And by distraction, I mean not, not a lot of other playing time for the second team. So the, it, would, it would make sense for us to really uh, charge ahead in this competition. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, that brings us, and I know it's hard to put the crystal ball into action, but then we go to Liverpool after that, Tony. Yeah. Uh, so he'll go as, as strong as is available. Um, yesterday's team plus Kalasnach from Maitland-Niles wouldn't be far off the mark if Mustafi's not back. He should, it seems like he should be. So I would imagine he'll go back to the back five. Um, with, uh, and then it won't be dropped out and, and uh, Mustafi comes in. So I think that there'll be the changes. It'll be yesterday plus um, plus Mustafi if we go back to the back five for Iwobi and uh, Maitland-Niles out and Klesnach in if fit. Um, if if Maitland-Niles yeah. plays on Tuesday, is that a 
few too many games for him in a week? Um, no, not really, because it's three days apart, and obviously teams in the in the Champions League, and when and even last week we played Wednesday, Saturday, uh, we played West Ham Wednesday and, and yesterday, so not really. But um, it's the only the thing is it's if Kalasanac isn't fit, um, then we have no other option at the moment. Mm. So I mean, he may chuck I don't know someone like Josh De Silva in against against West Ham, but I'd be surprised. Um, uh, I think if if Maitland-Niles is here marked to start against Liverpool, then I doubt he would play on Tuesday. But with Kolasinac being on the bench, if it is a knock or if it's just fatigue, he would have had over nearly two weeks off. So he should be recovered because uh, he hasn't played since Southampton. So it'll be just the two days under two weeks by the time we play Liverpool. So I'd imagine he'll be fit to start. So Maitland-Niles will start Tuesday. And then, as I say, Kolasinac comes back in against Liverpool. Mm, OK. Um... I won't ask you for prediction for any because it'll be ten nil. <laughs> Carl, yep. what, what's your Liverpool mate? Uh, I'm hoping for a three-two. Uh, I, th- I think it, I think it'll be eventful, very eventful. Yep. Okay. Um, start and line up as strong as we can go. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what, what Tony said about um, was it take Wobi out because he's not he's not good for the big games. <laughs> Just, um, is Espino injured? Anyone? No, he was on the bench yesterday, wasn't he? Uh, okay. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. He yeah. played against, uh, who was it, Barté. He played against Barté when we won 6-0, so he's, yeah. he's there. Okay. Would, would, would we go to him instead of Czech? Or Czech's still got the starting spot, isn't he? Uh, against West Ham, Ospina will play, or, or Macy. Check might play. Check won't be in the ground. Um, it'll be, I would imagine, Ospina, uh, potentially Macy. But against Liverpool, it'll be Check. Be Check. Yeah. Okay, Schwinn. Yeah, I expect. Uh, I actually don't expect it to be to be too eventful. I think it's going to be a one-one. Um, I, I, I obviously want us to win, but I have this bad feeling that it's going to be boring and it's going to be. We know what Liverpool brings. They're a very, very dominant attacking force, and I think we will try and nullify them even though we're playing at home. I'm not trying to say that we'll be too defensive, but I think we will, uh, looking into the game, I think we will look to work on our uh, defensive shape and our defensive organization a little too much. Uh, and rightly so, I think we, we need to be wary of them. So I, for some reason, have a feeling it's going to be a 1-1 tactical draw. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'll go. A, I'll go an open game. I think Liverpool. You know, they're playing good football at the moment as well. So, I'll go three-two Arsenal. Um, now I've got a couple of questions. However, I just want to touch base on a little bit of news quickly. Um, so, apparently, according to reports, Sanchez has rejected a twenty-one million salary from a Chinese club. Mega offer. Um, well, there you go. Uh, what else is there? What's that? Who's that player we're linked to? Fakir? Nabil Fakir. Yeah, apparently sent out an SOS to Manchester United, if you believe what reports say. Yeah. And I just, um, that 21 million uh, that yeah. Sanchez has apparently been offered, whether true or not, it's actually, look, obviously, 21 million is a staggering figure, but it's actually not that high in terms of current wages. 
you think like they're talking over half a million a week in China, yeah, which would be twenty six million a year. So it's actually it's not it's not big money, but like I mean, they're talking. He wants three hundred and fifty in the Premier League. That probably that offer probably works out about four hundred and four fifty between there, and it's a it's an extra hundred grand a week, which obviously. In that, in that scheme of things, doesn't probably mean that much to him. Mm. And also, he'd have to uproot his life, and, and pretty much he's going there to retire. You only go to China to retire. You don't go there to further your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, Wayne Rooney has spoken highly of Olivia Giroud, um, uh, with speculation Everton are interested in Giroud in January. That's interesting. Um, okay, so we've got a couple of questions. Now, we did touch on a few of them. I think you touched on the Texas Gooner earlier, Tony. Um, Now, Vish, uh, one of the regulars, uh, what do we think of Maitland-Niles alternating with Dabucci, taking over right-back position from Bellerin for a few games in order for the ponytail banker to realise he needs to improve his game? Tony? Uh, I don't... So the problem with Maitland-Niles is he's young. He's just breaking into the team. We kind of touched on it earlier that uh, it's good at that age to sort of have a stable, even if it's not his first position, it's not his first choice position, left back or left wing back, but it's stable. He knows what his job's going to be. It's not changing from week to week. Mm. Uh, so I can't see him being involved in that equation. For me, and I've said it on here a few times, I think Debussy should be given a run. Um, even if it's just to... Even if it's just to... Um, give Hector like a kick up the arse essentially and, and show him that he's not guaranteed um, but then Debushi's probably not capable of playing five games in a row so then it will just look like a rest like Hector's not going to play on Tuesday Debushi will um, but that's not it's not that's not being dropped that's a rest mm. um, you need it to happen to sort of five games or so um, five major first team Premier League games but uh, I don't know if Debushi's got that in him and unfortunately as I said I don't think Maitland-Niles is an option. I don't think there's anyone else that could combine. And also, defences work on familiar, familiar, familiarity. Um, so ch- keep chopping and changing one member of them. So playing Debushi one week, as this said, Maitland-Niles or Chambers or anyone else, it, it doesn't help. Um, so we may, as much as I clearly dislike Hector, um, we could be cutting our nose off to spite our face in that one, unless we can get someone who is going to be able to play five games in a row and at a decent level. January, are we looking at anybody in this position come January? Not that I know of. Uh, I don't... It's, it's a difficult position to, to place as well because there's not many... Look, we're mainly going to be playing attacking football, so you'd need an attacking right wing back who can also defend mm. um, and is also able to play in a four when needed. And... Even if, like you say, when we're talking about replacing Ozil or Sanchez, there's players that come to mind. Um, they may not be as good, but they're in a similar mould. Yeah, Whereas yeah. at the moment, I think in the, in the whole world, there's a whole, there's a lack of good quality wing-backs on both sides, but, but especially on the right, which is unusual, because usually left is the problem. But if you look, I mean, Man City have got, they, they spent nearly £100 million on two of them, in Danilo and, and Kyle Walker. Yeah. And Danilo ain't the best. I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan at all. I think Kyle Walker's a decent player. I don't think he's amazing. But Danilo isn't the best. Uh, you look, Barcelona are struggling in that position. Uh, Real Madrid, Carver Howe's good. Their second choice is like a 17-year-old kid. It's, it's a very tough position to fill. And uh, so I don't think we're looking at anyone. Well, as far as I know, we're not looking at anyone. And I would struggle to put a name on it as well. 
Um, mm. Some of you guys may have suggestions, but just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of someone that's at the level that can do both the wing back and right back job and is also able to go forward, which is going to be the predominant skill that you needed when you're playing uh, playing for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I, I got nothing. Carl, you got any names of your top your head, mate? Uh, no, apart from like Florenzi or something like that, but no, no one else. Uh, Schwinn? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Sidibe comes to mind. Uh, I'm not sure how good he is uh, defensively. I know he's got quite the pace and he, he's got a good ball into the box. I've watched a couple of Monaco games and some France games, uh, albeit friendlies. But he's been he's been uh, pretty strong and uh, pretty pacey up and down the wings. So that's someone who comes to mind. But but I think Tony's spot on. I don't think there's too many uh, young fullbacks uh, these days. I think the left is a little more uh, loaded in terms of talent. But uh, there's not too many on the right. And other than Sidibe, no one really comes to mind. Mm, okay. Um, but then again, sorry, sorry. Yeah. But then again, Sidibe won't be someone who comes in and and you know is willing to be a backup. You know, he's he he. I would I would guess he would deserve and hope for a starting position. So he's not going to come come into the club if we, if that's what we're talking about and be okay with being back up to Hector. No, I mean I would be looking. I personally, I'd be looking for a first choice. But as I meant, Sidibe's not a bad shout. But as I said, beyond him and Monaco are notorious for getting high fees for their players. Uh, there's no one out there. But yeah, I, I agree with you that he wouldn't want to come in and sit on the bench. And to be honest, if anyone's going to come in and want to sit on the bench behind Hector, I don't want him because, frankly, he's not he's not very good or he's not good enough, it, Hector. So you don't want someone that's going to come in and be worse in, in reality. I, I, I agree. Personally, I think it's one of our weakest areas. And uh, you're looking at first team. And as I said, and as we've all just discussed, there's no one really out there that, um, that can come in and you think, yep, yeah, he would slot straight in and be the guy we need. I agree. Uh, uh, what, what about the, the guy who plays right back for Napoli, that, that Albanian guy, Haisaj, I think is his name. I've not seen oh, Napoli yeah. pay, play too much uh, with him. I think he's been out for a bit, but he was supposed to be pretty good. And I, I do remember watching a couple of games, I think, where he featured. And again, uh, man bombs forward and back as if it's his job, which it is. But uh, he's, got a, he's got a good motor on him. Yeah, I mean, look, there is a, a few names out there, but they're so few and far between that if, as I said, Barcelona are, are really lacking in that area. They signed, uh, I forgot his name, the guy from... Schmeidu. Schmeidu, uh, yeah. Nelson Schmeidu. Yeah, yeah. So they, and they, they, they had to overpay for him. Um, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but they had to pay way more than he, they should have done because there is a lack of quality in that position um, throughout world football. Um, even, I mean, look, Bayern Munich have changed Kimmich into, and he's a very good player, but they've, they've moved in from a centre midfielder to a right back because they couldn't find one and they've pretty much got the pick of Germany. Like Anyone mm-hmm. that's in Germany wants to play for Bayern Munich and even then they still had to convert someone. Um, so it is a very hard position to fill um, and with the names you've mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if they were available, there would be many suitors looking for them. Um, yeah. even, even thinking in the Premier League, uh, Chelsea tried to sign Chamberlain to play there. He didn't want to play there, so they signed Zappa Costa, who again isn't the best. Uh, they had to move Victor Moses to play there because they didn't didn't have anyone that could. Um, Liverpool, their defence is a shambles. United, I'm just watching United now, that's why I'm ahead. They play Antonio Valencia there, a converted winger. There's very mm-hmm. few people that are naturally that's that's their game. That's where they play. Um, as I said, City paid for two of them and they potentially overpaid, but I mean if it doesn't matter to them. 
So it is just a very, very tough position to fill. And I think when I think of it like that, I think maybe we are a bit harsh on Hector because he probably is one of the better ones out there, but he's just one of the better ones of a not very good bunch or not a very big bunch. I agree. I mean, I don't even think Juventus has a has a star right back, for lack of a better term. Alves, and so they have Dani Alves doing yeah. the job and they've lost him. Um, as I said, it's just, it's just a, a complete effort. I wouldn't be surprised if, especially if teams continue to play with five at the back, I think someone will sign uh, Nathan soon to try and play there. Um, you'd have to teach him to defend a bit, but he's got similar attributes to the likes of Chamberlain and, and in a sense, Victor Moses, where they are predominantly attackers, but they're, they're quick and fit. And if you isolate them one-on-one, then they can do a good job. As I said, he would have to learn a bit defensively, but he's one I could see being converted. As I said, I can't see a ready-made player anywhere, so I think it is going to have to be a conversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just had a quick quick look around, and a lot few people are saying Ricardo Rodriguez, but he's on the either left back, left, left, left yeah. Back, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, do you, yeah, it's it's going to be hard, isn't it? Um, okay, so Glenn's asked the question also, but we type of touched on it earlier, Schwinn. So I'll stick with you. Um, do you see Wenger reverting back to the three four three? Or a three four two one when Mustafi returns. I do. Yeah, I, I think uh, Nacho and Koscielny are undroppable. Three four three. So three four two one. Either way, I think that it's. I think Glenn means the same thing when he says that because oh, yeah, we'll have Alexis yeah. and, and Mesut tuck back. Uh, I think. I think Mesut does better when we play a four defender system, just because he has that that freedom and he's not supposed to be a body on the right side, as Tony uh, spoke about earlier. So and Koscielny might be rested every now and then just because of you know the the congestion and we might have Mustafi and Montreal start a, a particular game uh, just to give Koscielny the rest. But long term, uh, definitely a, a three four three or a three four two one. I, I mean, I, I like I like us playing a back four. I think our players are trained for it better. I think the switch to the back three was a good refresher, and I think it gave uh, other defenses something new to think about. Uh, but uh, if it's not broken, you know, don't fix it. So I, I get that. And till the time we are able to hold our form and uh, c- continue to keep that defensive solidity uh, in the in the three defender system, which I think is slowly creeping away. So I think long term we'll switch back to a four. But till the end of the season, at least, I, I can see us uh, playing a three defender system when we have our three center uh, center halves uh, fit. Mm, okay. Right, well, that's about all the questions we've got. So thank you for your questions, guys. Because um, we got the other guy, Guna, Texas Guna, earlier. So, um, okay, guys. So I'm not sure when we're actually going to be back um, because I won't be back over the Christmas break or New Year's, but the boys might pop in. So, look, I'll say Merry Christmas to everybody now and a Happy New Year because I might not be back in. Um, but I think Schwinn might host something over the Christmas break and pop back in uh, sometime, Schwinn, eh? That shall be that shall be the go. Uh, we'll yeah. try and try and pop in every now and then when possible. Uh, but it is uh, holiday time, so there are people spending time with family. Yeah. Um, I am not, however, I'm I'm going to be working during this holiday time, so I'm I'll try and take some time out and do do something with the boys. Yep, yep. No worries, guys. So you guys have a good Christmas too. And uh, look, thank you. And we'll speak to you all again. I, I will be back after the new year. 
have a Cheers. good Christmas, have a good New Year, and just as a terrible piece of timing, as you said, that Lukaku just scored in United at 1-0 up. Oh, great. Right. <laughs> you can edit that out, right? And ruin your Christmas message. With yeah. <laughs> right, right, guys, thanks. And have a good one. Bye. Merry Christmas. Good. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, too.